I don't know how to work GarageBand, so my music comes out of my phone. That's great. Are you okay with that? I'm down for whatever you want to do, brother. I mean, this is all I got. I mean, I don't. This is Jay Larson, everybody, and I'm Josh Wolf, and this is fairly normal. It's my dog Rocky. Look at that old fella. Rocky. I was nervous about him when I walked in, and then I saw him. I'm like, there's nothing like about <laughs> <No>. this cat. <laughs> no, he's he's limping, and you know what? He's gotten to an age. He just bumped into the door. Oh, he's not graceful. No. No. He's gotten to, and he's starting to trip. But he's gotten to an age now also where he's super stubborn. And so when he walks around the neighborhood, if he doesn't want to go a certain direction, he turns into like a 90-pound hockey puck. Oh. Like literally, he puts his bull, all of his feet just into the ground, head down. Oh, man. And I just have to drag him around. The only thing that gets him to run quickly, petrified of squirrels. Really? If he sees a squirrel, Jay, if he sees a squirrel, he is fucking gone. Dude, dogs are the best, man. Better than cats. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but yeah. If that's the least, like the most offensive thing you've ever said, you're offensive thing that's going to be today. Well, dude, it's a cat people will go fucking nuts on you. I know cat people are like, they're like, like, we don't get it. You know, like, we don't get it. I mean, I I think cats are cool. The coolest cat was my buddy used to come home from work. And they lived in these bungalows in San Diego. Yeah. And his cat would be on the roof and would like see him and like walk and jump across from bungalow to bungalow and follow him home and then come down when he got there. Like hardcore parkour. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the dude. parkour cat? Yeah, he crushed it. <laughs> like the beginning it. of um, Casino Royale. Is that, was that the James Bond, the, with the first Daniel Craig? Do you the fir- Are you not a Bond guy? I'm not a, well, you know why I'm not a Bond guy? If I'm going to watch a Bond type movie, yeah. I want it rated R, man. I don't want PG-13. I want the chance that I'm going to see something. Like, you need t- At this point in time with the internet and you porn, you, you need, need tits? I need tits. Or just, I know. I just I don't want to see James Bond and be like, oh, nothing's going to happen with that chick. Yeah, but Haley Berry got down in Monsters Ball. She can in, in, in 007. Yeah, but, but what do you... But, but it's not that... Like, do you... It's like watching G.I. Joe for me a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, guys don't... Really, do guys even die in those? In James Bond, you just don't see him. Well, now that you see, have you seen the Jason Bourne movies? Yes. I mean, once you see those, you're like, why do I even need to see 007, man? Well, though, I, I will tell you, those first couple Jason Bourne movies with that new fighting style where you saw everything. Yeah, dude. That I, Seeing the first Jason Bourne to me was the same reaction as seeing the first Matrix and seeing Blair Witch, where you were like, what the fuck is happening See, right I'm now? glad to hear someone say that because when Blair Witch came out, yeah. everyone's like, nah, it's not real. And what? I, and I, you know what I said to people? I go... I'm going into it as if it's 100% real, and I was like a little tiny bitch in that seat, and I loved it. I well, here's the thing: this was before anyone was getting on Snopes to debunk shit, and this is all. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we didn't. People were walking out like that couldn't be real, right? Right? There's nobody, anybody who said 100% sure that's not real was fucking. Well, lying. it was a huge debate, remember? Because yeah. I wasn't like first weekend guy, you know. Like you didn't hear, you just heard about this movie. Like, dude, it's freaking crazy, and they're like, they lost. Is it real? Is it not? You know. And then they remade it? Yeah. No, you can't do that. <laughs> How do you remake that? Okay. What, 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 if you could remake one movie that hasn't been remade? Do I get to star in it? Sure. Okay. What is it? <sighs> I have a problem with remakes just because, like, I love, it depends if I love the original. Yeah. But, like, if I could see a movie that I love and would be fucking badass to play, it might be The Natural. Oh. And I love Robert Redford to like death, and I would never. Would I, you play Redford's role? I mean, what you saying? I can't. <laughs> you fuck. 
I'm at that age, man. I didn't mean it with the. I put a question mark in there, not questioning your ability, my you friend. You give me two, three, four months with you training me, uh-huh. and I crush that role. You know what I would love to see made, what? which I wouldn't mind, and I and I, I, this is an older movie, and I don't know if anybody listening is going to get it. You know what? I wouldn't mind seeing my bodyguard remade. Who's you, that? My bodyguard was this movie about this rich little kid. Mm-hmm. Who? How old are we talking now? Eh. Who's the star in it? I I don't know if I could give you the answer to that. Okay. I think it's the guy. Should I Google it right now? I mean, I do have this thing called the Google. Um, the Googs? Yeah. No, it's not the uh, uh, Whitney Houston. No, I know that. Do you know that one? Of course. You know why? Because I loved Kevin Costner. And my girlfriend in high school, we watched that movie like 15 times. And remember, like, that song and I was huge Oh, that's then. right. Adam Baldwin is in that. Matt oh. Dillon, Martin oh. Mull, Joan Cusack. This is an old one. Uh, Jennifer Beals, uncredited. That's how old it is. Uncredited Jennifer Beals. My Bodyguard opened on July 11th, 1980 in limited release. Limited um, release? It's it was a movie about being bullied, and I could read you the plot, but it's a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Great podcast material. <laughs> <laughs> I read the plot. I'm gonna check out for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just watch the damn thing. I'll watch the trailer. Was, what is he it, doing? It was, but but I would like to do that. I would like remake my bodyguard, and I've always said my dream role. Mm-hmm. So your dream role is Roy Hobbs. Yeah, I think so. My I mean, dream role, Danny Zuko from Greece. Dude, fucking dream role. You know, I saw a picture the other day that's like it was online, something yeah. like this day in history, and it was it was Travolta and uh, Olivia Newton-John like on the set of Grease, and Olivia Newton-John. I mean, I'm like the first people I ever fell in love with was like Brooke Shields mm-hmm. and Blue Lagoon, yeah, oh, and yeah. then Olivia Newton-John and Grease, dude. I was just like, holy Toledo. Yeah, that was that was I tell people this day I'm like you know what I was a huge always wanted to have huh. you know what I always want I had one once a Greece themed birthday party nope but I like where your head's <laughs> at <laughs> a summer fling oh did you ever have a summer fling yes oh. in Maine oh my god in Maine in Maine I was probably wait did you go to Jewish camp no what are you like the only Jewish kid that didn't go to Jewish camp I mean the only smart Jewish kid why would I go to Jewish camp? It sounds eminently boring. Every Jewish guy I know in you LA is like Jewish has guys growing, growing up. up. You knew two, so there was a Jewish camp for two people. No, every kid I've met out here, like, oh, this this is my friend from Jewish camp. I'm like, you still have friends from camp? And they're like, oh Who yeah. Goes to a, first of all, I love Jews. I am a Jew, but it, the Jewish camp sounds like the most boring place in the world to send your kid over the You're summer. Just counting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. You're like, here's now it's abacus day everybody so put your calculators away what what is happening i have no idea what it is i just know that people go i mean you play hide and seek with a quarter what i never do do? went just come on we don't. buried a quarter in the woods unbelievable the first, i, I didn't, didn't come here for this i know anti-jew this anti-semitic stuff <laughs> i don't I, you know i i did not get a lot of the jewish genes i'm not cheap i'm not good with my money i although i did i do place a high uh, level of importance on education, which I think is supposedly a Jewish trait. I don't know about. That. I think everyone should put a. a have you been high watching the, ele- the elections? Yes, I everybody, have. Everybody. The elections. Everybody. 
everybody in the in the race, everybody on both sides, you think are thinks education is equally important and facts. Oh yeah, no, of course. You know what's funny? I did a show in Portland the other day, all white, and I come out and I go, "How many people are recording the debate tonight?" There was no debate. I go, yeah. "How many people recorded the debate tonight?" And three people are like, "Woo!" And I'm like, "There's no debate." Tonight. <laughs> Last night, all black room. And I go, you guys came out tonight. I love it. Nobody's home watching the de- debate. How many people recorded the debate? And like 18 people like, there's no debate tonight. I was uh, like, oh, yeah, guys. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying joke. to trick you. Just, try, just not pulling it over on you. But that's true. Like, did you see there was a clip off of John Oliver? And John Oliver was reading over, you know, he goes, this is the transcript from the Hillary Clinton Benghazi thing. And this is the transcript from her emails. And this is the transcript from the Swedish bank f- thing that him her and bill clinton was and he went on this like 30 second thing and he said and of course there's no swedish bank controversy but you all were thinking oh yeah the swedish bank controversy <laughs> but that just shows you man that's what's frightening and forget the election the people are she- a majority of people don't know they're sheep but they're sheep yeah you know what man. i mean well we don't how do i mean how many of us are really like first of all how many people read the newspaper anymore so they're yeah. like reading these articles read headlines yeah, but and they're online, yeah. you know, and you're skimming. So no one's like back in the day, people would read, they would know politics before it became news. Do you know what I mean? They would know stuff that was happening. Nowadays, we all just listen to one person or the other person or the other person or we watch John Oliver and that's yeah. where we get our ideas. I mean, no one, I don't know. I mean, it's like, how do you do anything else? Yeah, but the, the difference is also, dude, is that back when you're talking about the newspapers and the TV news people reported on policy and news. So, exactly. Okay, so the the articles you're reading now are about Trump talking about grabbing pussies and and insulting Mexicans and Muslims and none of them. The reason reading an article doesn't teach me anything about policy is because nobody's fucking talking about uh, policy. Exactly. That's it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's why when I saw Hillary say, uh, I loved debating Bernie because we could actually talk about yeah. policy. You know, like that was like, oh, this is like, you know, when you like get into an argument with a friend who's intelligent or you, for me, if I golf with a buddy who's like better than me, it's like fun because it's a challenge and it's interesting, you know? Did part of you want Bernie Sanders to start talking about the flux capacitor? And be like, no, <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you didn't want him to be like, hey, I'm about to hop in the DeLorean. I'm going to head back. Like to- get crazy as hell. Yeah. Like guys, just listen up. <laughs> All right. More I want to hear about the summer fling. L- you do? Yeah. Okay, let's get back to Summer Fling because the more importantly, mm-hmm. I want to know where you were when David Ortiz walked out on the mound and tipped his cap to the Fenway crowd. Were you watching it on TV? When? The other day? Yeah, when he, his last game. Uh, I'm going to be straight up with you. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a one-year-old, yeah. and we have a pretty strict TV policy. Yep. So I didn't even see one, two, or th- any of the games of the playoffs. I didn't see any. And then when was that? Was like um, that was two nights ago. It was two nights ago, which was Sunday night. Monday night. Monday night. Yeah. And what time was that at? Well, it was a three o'clock game. It ended around six. Oh, and he yeah, went I'll into tell the you lock- exactly where I am. So my wife went out of town, so I'm alone with the kids. Six o'clock. What happens is five thirty. Our nanny leaves. I'm already cooking dinner. I get dinner. We all sit down. The three of us: me, the baby, and the boy. What you're cooking dinner? Yeah, I make dinner, lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, son. <coughs> What's your dish? Well, I mean, what was it that night? Yeah. Uh, strong mac and you get a strong mac and cheese game? Nah, man, I'm not making mac. We don't make mac and cheese. We'll, sometimes she'll make it during the day. But um, 
I've been trying to like lay off meat a little bit. So I yeah. was off. I made my own meal and then I made what I, I made hamburgers last night, the night before. Wait a second. What's wrong with mac and cheese? Oh, nothing's wrong with mac and cheese, but I just don't do it for dinner. Got it, got it. You know what I mean? That's like a quick, quick mix. I'm making everything like scratch. Oh, salmon. So I made salmon. Nice. Salmon. And then I made sweet potato fries for the two of them. And then I cut up cucumbers and toss it in like um, Look at you. olive oil and vinegar and salt do you, pepper. Uh, do you Google all that stuff beforehand or that's in the no? That's in the no, dome? this is just like I've always liked cooking. Dude, single mom, youngest of four, you learn to cook. You know what I mean? You got to make your own food. Also. Okay. You have brothers and sisters? I have an older brother and then two older sisters. And so you, okay, you grew up without a dad. Yes. You grew up, uh, and you told me before on the air, like your dad passed. You didn't know him at all growing up? So he left when I was two, okay? Mm-hmm. So my son's two right now. And yep. I said to my wife the other day, I'm like, could you imagine if I just left right now? And by the way, the reason we had been talking about it earlier is because we were talking about going on the road and why both of us would rather not. Yes, because we, so we both said how much we love being dads and how family's everything. Yes. And like in fifth grade, remember how you'd like write like, you know, Roger Clemens is the best and like girls names. I had in the back of my blue notebook that had like all my subjects in it. Did you have a trapper keeper? No, we had like, I had a cheap one. Like it was like a hard blue one with the three rings. I could never afford the trapper keeper. No, we never had those awesome Velcro ones. Oh, the Velcro. I would have killed for some Velcro. No shit, man. I just had those big like hard three ring binders. That's exactly what I had. Yeah. Yeah. And it was blue like. It felt like a, like a, almost like a felt, not felt, uh, like a rough tweed but material. But it made that beep, 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 beep noise when you ran your fucking finger over the yeah. inside of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, on the inside back cover, I had a, like a little like T-graph mm-hmm. with boys and girls and names for what I want to name my kids in fifth grade. You were trying to get people pregnant in fifth grade? Man, I was getting everybody pregnant, dude. <laughs> I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Dude's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what sex is. I mean- <laughs> No, I really? was just, I just knew then. Did any of the names from your trapper keeper in the fifth grade make it to your actual children? No. When I, the, like for him, I wanted, like I knew the names I wanted. Walden was my number one choice. How come? Walden Pond. And Thoreau and the Transcendentalist, that's my shit. That's like who I wish I could be is the trans. Emerson really? is my favorite out of all of them. But so um, Walden was my number one choice. Emerson was my second choice. And my wife was passed on both of them. And then she said, how about Reed? which is my grandfather's last name. Yep. And I was like, oh, you want to name him after my grandfather's last name? Done. I'm, I'll take it. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I love how you were like, listen, I've got two choices. That's it. I got two choices. She's like, I'm going to pass on both of them. You're like, okay. <laughs> I love it. What do you got? You know what's funny is because when you started that, you went into it. You were like, those are my top two. And I thought, oh, he's going to stick to his guns. And then you were like, and she passed on both. And I was like, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even like. <laughs> and when it came to the girl, I was just like, whatever you want. Whatever you want to name her, I'm down. I got Reed. You know what yeah. I mean? Whatever you want. She actually got Reed. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But I mean, I, I know I don't know how you want to trick yourself into I, thinking that I, you got it. I honestly think I tricked her because I think Reed was on the table a little bit. And then I go, how about Walden? She's like, what are you nuts? He's going to be Waldy. I go, what about Emerson? She goes, that's a girl's name. I go, Ralph Waldo Emerson was a guy. And she goes, what about Reed? I'm like, done. So, okay. So let me just tell you, I know how you're you're tricking yourself into thinking that you tricked her. But it really just sounds like you threw out two names mm-hmm. that she basically shit on, and then she threw out Reed, which just coincidentally also was in your family. That's kind of what it sounds like. Listen, I know what it sounds like. 
and it's probably right. <laughs> I love Shit, I never even knew it was like this. I, I thought the whole time I won. <laughs> yeah. You've been telling no. yourself this story. Yeah, so fucking she won it, and then she I, I nailed her on the third one. I, sounds like as you're retelling the story, she was like no to the first two, yeah. and this is what I want. Yeah, all right, so that's what happened. Um, so you Okay, so and one of the reasons oh. you don't want to take off is because... So basically, so he they, when I was two, my parents split, divorced at four, but he wasn't in the house uh-huh. at two. And you know, you don't remember anything. I honestly don't remember anything from like eight on, okay. and I'm very vague on a bunch of stuff in the middle. So then we would see him like, I don't know if it was once a week, once a month, once every two weeks for like... Can I ask a, a, a question? Yeah. Do you remember your mom bad-mouthing him or just kind of almost like a persona non grata? She She used to tell us like... She would tell, I mean, trust me, there are stories that like have been going around our family, like bad stories right. that you like, you hear about them. But then she would also tell me like the really cool things. She's like, you know, your dad used to have lobster traps and he would drop them in. He would collect lobsters and then he'd go into town and he'd sell lobsters to all the restaurants. So what was your mental, what was your mental image of your dad? Was it an overwhelmingly positive one, a negative one? Oh no, or it was mean, negative. Like, negative. Well, it was that there's a guy that lives a town over from you. And he doesn't call you. He doesn't check on you. He doesn't go to your baseball games. He doesn't come to your Boy Scout things. He doesn't come to your soccer games. He's never been. He's never met any of your girlfriends. He doesn't know any of your friends. He doesn't say, "Hey, come antiquing with me." Right. Like, he was an antique dealer. So the only I remember the last time I saw him before I saw him like six years ago mm-hmm. was going to the antique store with him, and I worked there with him for a day. How old were you? I think I was an eighth grade or sixth grade or something like that and i remember like being there the whole day in the antique store and i think i had a meatball sub for lunch and then at the end of the day he's like you can pick out one thing in the antique store if you want as like your like from the jerk but something on the shelf above here it was i had a limit (laughs) and i was 20 bucks and i got a hank aaron baseball card i was like that's what i want hank aaron baseball fuck yeah of course it's a miscut too that's a good one i mean that's what to me yeah symbolizes our relationship in that card is this miscut you know because anyway and then like once my grandmother died his mom that's when like was the last time i ever like remember talking to him like i talked to him on the phone because he called for my sister because my sister was going to go to the funeral the rest of us weren't going because he called my mother and said i don't want you coming so then why why did he and he and your mom obviously i saw them in a room once together and they were fighting because my dad like had taken us out somewhere and then came home and wanted to go like we had a safe in the basement and there was like he he was an antique dealer so he had like coin books in there with coins and like old money and like i remember there was money from like um uh you know when there was north and south when they were separated from yeah. the union like money with slaves really? on it and shit and like fifth grade i brought it in for show and tell and stuff harriet like, tubman dollar bills yeah i don't mean i don't know they were just like these old money that's crazy we had all the stuff that's what my dad that was his jam man was antiques and they fought that day and that's the only time i've ever seen them in a room together it, if you're looking if it looks like there's a seed in there yeah it's because one night when i did this podcast by myself in my hotel room high I didn't put it back in the case, and I put it just in my bag, and apparently maybe my bag had some food in there, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, is it, what is this? What am I looking at here? And I love that you just know it's there, and yeah, you're like, yeah. I, I, just, I got one on mine. I could try and get it yeah, out I, of there. Whatever. It doesn't. Yeah, I just assume he's going to lick the microphone. So, yeah. so you're, it was an overwhelmingly negative 
<coughs> so I just always looked at him as this guy that was like bigger than life because he was big. Like he was a pretty intimidating dude. Yeah. Big, big when you're a little guy, and he was thick, you know. So I remember and no contact with him as a grown up. So when I was moved to L.A. finally at 24, I emailed him, and then he called me one night, and we talked. We had like an hour conversation when I was 24, and like he was like giving me like you know just bitching about like tell, trying to like give me reasons for why things happened you know because i kind of was like asking like why you know and he was just kind of like fucking what are you asking me this shit for like pretty much like i'm gonna get this shit right now you're gonna yeah. ask me that right now and i was like like he was basically telling me you know everything that my mom did which made it hard for him to try and even be a dad you know and then like you just start seeing another side of the coin right you know what i mean there always is Dude, I just started writing a bit the other day that I'm like, the greatest thing my mom ever had was this divorce because then we never got to see how fucking crazy she was. Yeah. And then at like 24, I start, I'm like, wait a minute. Who are you? Yeah. What were you doing this whole time? Well, that's the thing is, is, you know, when the shine wears off your parents, and I don't mean shine as in you love them any less, but when you become a grown up and you realize that they're just people, you start to see some of their faults yeah. as people. And it's a tough realization. It is a tough realization. I'm sure. I, I that's why I remind my son all the time. Like if like he gets frustrated over things, I'll go, "Hey, buddy, take a deep breath." He's two and a half. Yeah. Take a deep breath. I go. Not everything's going to be easy in life. A lot of things are going to be tough, and you're not perfect. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to fail, and you're going to fail, and you're going to fail. And I go, Dad fails all the time, all the time, buddy. And I go, but that's what I want you. Like when I carry him to bed at night. Like, I'll whisper in his ear down the hallway. I'm like, I want you to take risks. I want you to fail. I want you to challenge yourself. I want you to do whatever you want to do, and who cares what the outcome is? And he, like, snuggles into my head and, like, is laughing because he's like, what the fuck yeah. is he talking he's like, about? This but I'm just trying to implant it now. Yeah. You know, I don't know if he means anything to him, but I'm just... Anyway. I've said this many times. Like, the crazy thing about... And this I, I've learned this as my kids have gotten older, is that the crazy thing is... Think about what you remember from your parents saying to you. Think about the things you remember. Mm-hmm. They're not the talks. They're not the deep moments that your parents thought they had with you. They're offhanded remarks that your parents never thought would stick with you. Of course. So I say that all the time. Like, I know I said something to one of my kids today that will affect the rest of their lives, and I have no fucking idea what it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Totally. That's the scary thing. I love it. I, I've told people, listen, the reason I wore a hat forever, right? See this forehead? Yeah. Uh, it's really long. Yeah. So I remember when I was in, um, I was probably 12 or 13, I was washing dishes in the kitchen. And my dad walked through the kitchen. And he goes, you know, you got a really big forehead. And I put on a hat the next day. Now, he doesn't even fucking remember. Yeah. Why would he? To him, it was just a, a joke or an aside or whatever. But for me, it was like. Took it personally. Yeah. This is the reason why I'm wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Because he you. made a comment that my forehead was bigger. And that's why I stopped wearing a hat because my Aunt Rue was like, you know, if you wear a hat, you're going to go bald. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, do, do you. So when you got, started getting road gigs, right, and you had wanted to be a dad forever and ever and ever. So do you go, I'm not going to be that guy. Is that a motivating factor? Or is that in your head at all? Like, I'm not going to be my dad. Oh, uh, I mean. Because you know you're not your dad. It's not even that I don't want to be him. I just want to be. I just want to be able to give my kids what I wish. And I don't know why I'm so hung up on it. You know, I know a lot of people who divorced and didn't know their folks. Yeah. But for some reason, like, I just wanted that father son bond more than like people meet me and they're like, 
you don't have a dad. Like, you're like the most manly dude. I'm not saying I'm super manly, but I build shit. Yeah. I carry myself like, but I was just raised by all women and I'm super feminine. People are like, how'd you learn how to do all the stuff you do? And I'm like, I just like, I love dudes from go. Like all my friends' dads. Yeah. When I was a kid, I'd get to their house and they'd be like cleaning the leaves out of the gutter. I'm like, ah, it's that time of year, huh? <laughs> I'm like, I got to do it too because I had to do all yeah. that shit. You know, well, you like, were the man of the house essentially my brother wasn't taking it on and my sisters were trying to, but I was like in fifth grade, I had paper route money. Yeah. And I'm like, we need I had a paper route too. Yeah. What time, what age did you start working? Fifth grade? I think yeah. I took over for when my brothers and once my sister went to high school, then I like hopped in there. Did you shovel driveways? Of course. Like rake leaves. Yeah. Oh, uh, we only rake our leaves. We go around the neighborhood and shovel driveways, yeah. but we didn't go around rake. I never knew that was a game. I wish I would. Got, we had a sit-down mower. I should have been mowing lawns all over the place. You had a sit-down mower and you didn't go around your neighborhood? Not mowing lawns. I mean, we just mowed. I mowed our lawn. I remember we used to go around the neighborhood and ask people, can we, it would be like five bucks or ten bucks. Can you imagine trying to get, and this, I'm Raking leaves this, sucks. What's worse, raking Sh- leaves or shoveling? For me, it was shoveling. I think everyone's going to say, I just love shoveling because at you least loved like, it? raking seems like it never ends. Like you'll rake and you'll get a pile know, the and then you'll blows. bag and uh, then you're like, oh, there's another pile and you re-rake that pile. And then your older brother comes out and kicks the fucking pile <sighs> of leaves and you're like, you nonsense. You know what's funny though? Try getting right now in America, try getting a little white kid to shovel a driveway for five bucks. Oh my God. Because all or, these- Or to suck it up and go around and go ahead. It, all these kids, especially the little white kids, they are like, you know, when the people in the Mexicans are coming to take our jobs. That's because this generation of white kids won't do the work. They won't do the dirty hand. I'm going to fucking lay cement. I'm going to rake leaves. Yeah. I'm going to mow lawn. They won't do the work. Yeah. So nobody's taking their jobs. They just won't go. For, they're, they're setting bars for, them, for themselves. We're like, that job. I had to talk to Jacob. I'm like, why don't you go get a job like in and out or something? He's like, I'm not working in and out. I'm like, that money's not good. The yeah. fucking in and out money isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> Seems pretty good. They they checks cash. Yeah, right. So it's money. It's fucking money. But yeah, especially in this. I mean, I don't know where it is everywhere else, but in this town, you only see minorities working these jobs. You know what I mean? Like landscaping. If you owned a landscaping business in Massachusetts, you were raking it. No yes. pun intended, but you're making great money. And it's like people out here, they don't need like. It's so weird, man. Every one of my friends has like a landscaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we have one because it just comes with our rent. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's like no, people don't mow their own lawns. Nobody. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like I dream of mowing my own fucking lawn. You are know what I mean? you going to get shirt on, shirt off? It depends. Right now I go on. <laughs> <laughs> do you go and you have a rider mower? So we had an acre growing up. Like we had a big yard. And Did you play uh, ball? Yeah. Fucking Relivio, laser tag. Relivio? Yeah, you don't know Relivio? Is that kick the can? <laughs> no, you know what's kick the can? Kick, kick the, the can. can. What's Relivio? Relivio is like you have Relivio two teams. Relivio sounds like, like a nickname for something. And then you go hide and each you always you go to try and find the other people on the team. If you find one, you grab them, you take them, you bring them back to your jail. It's kind of like capture the flag, except you don't. there's no flag. Okay, so hold on. So when you... You all you have to do is touch them, or you literally have to drag them. No, you touch them. If okay. you can get to them, like you know, maybe one team hides and one team's yeah, it. But what if you touch that person touches you, and you? What if they see each other and they just run at each other? One's one te- team is like searching, and one's trying to hide. Okay, you know, so, and then there's a jail and stuff like so that. So when I'm hiding, I'm also trying to. Ca- am I? How do I win? You. It's just by not getting caught. Forever, like the game never ends. I'm in a game right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
from 1984. They still okay. haven't found Undefeated, it. Undefeated, son. <laughs> Wait, so... So let me. There's it's like, so funny that we both grew up in Massachusetts, and there's like still regional games. Relievio, I don't even know. Relievio, no. we never played Kick the Can. You didn't play Kick the Can? Fuck no. Kick the Can was great. That's what I mean. Like no, we never played Kick the Can. But at least something happened to Kick the Can. You knew what your objective was. In Relievio, one person's objective is just to stay dark. Yeah, exactly, man. But you shadows. know, you know what we would have done? What? I would have gotten my team that was out searching. And I would have been like, okay, you guys go. And I would have just gone inside. I would have been like, let's just go inside. Yeah, no, I mean, you trust me, Relivio is fun. And then the dark, and you're out there, and I had this crazy yard. Um, but what's the boundaries on Relivio? You know, you you mark them off. Like in, in when we play I my yard, to, it was like my yard. I my used yard to was love big. The, the I used to love it when people were like, here are the boundaries. <laughs> or listen, my mom doesn't want us going inside of the shack, but we can be around the, the shack. Could, yeah, don't go in there. No. <laughs> I used Dude, to love those. Right. My mom doesn't listen. Stay off the porch. My mom and dad are watching TV. So you can't be on the porch and everyone's going to keep their voices down. You can't go in Mr. Murphy's yard. Listen, if you go in Mr. Murphy's he's going to get pissed. And then oh. all of a sudden, like mid-game, you're like, he, he was in fucking Mr. Murphy's yard. Yeah. You're out of bounds, man. I wasn't in his yard. I was next to his yard. No. That was the best. Always having... When we played Kick the Can, my my we, we used to live in Amherst. We live in this place called Townhouse Apartments. First of all, Amherst is like one of my favorite favorite towns it's amazing it's great but this was in an I era i did the calvin theater you know with uh, john panette the calvin theater was john benet with um john panette oh john panette i opened for him there i thought you said john benet i'm like mm. ramsey yeah <laughs> jay are you the killer <laughs> john panette dude what a fucking genius i'm gonna tell you something man when i got the call to open for him yeah. i was like john panette and they're like yeah i'm like that big that big fat guy and they're like yeah come on genius listen to me and I'm like, oh, it's probably just going to be like a bunch of fat humor and stuff like that. And we get there, and I sat backstage. First of all, I'm, I'm going to go first. How, okay? What year was this? This was like 2007. Okay? Yep. 2007. I've been doing comedy six years. I really didn't know. I still didn't know a lot of people in comedy. And I'm like, backstage, it's this huge 1,600 people sold out. I'm like, this guy has sold out 1,600 people. Who? I, I didn't know his material. Didn't know I didn't know anything. I knew him from the guy from Seinfeld in the final episode. He like didn't the, do the, did he do the, you go now. Let me tell you what he did. So I go up. We're all downstairs in the green room downstairs with my wife. Hold and, on. You keep talking the story. I'm going to take the yams out of the oven. Oh, I'm yeah. Thinking. Yeah. Sounds good. So we're, we're downstairs in the green room. And my family's there, my wife and my my mom, and he's being like the most generous, the sweetest, nicest guy. Like he was just unbelievable, right? So I, I'm like, we're sitting there. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get ready. So I get changed, I get ready for to go up, and then I'm like, uh, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go up. We're probably gonna start soon. And he goes, oh yeah, I'll come up too. I'll introduce you. And I go, I go, you're gonna introduce me? And he goes, well, who do you think's gonna introduce you? And I'm like, I don't know. I just didn't think that he was gonna introduce me. So he gets on the God mic. And he's like, how's everybody doing? And everyone goes nuts because they know it's him. And he's like, John Panette here. So excited to have everybody. Before I come out, please, I want you to pay attention to this young comic. And like, gave me the most gracious intro. He right? never met you. Never met me. And I said to him, I had said to him before, oh, so I do my time in the intro you? He goes, no, you just do your time and then come off. And I'm doing a theater, man. I couldn't believe it. So I'm like, all right, I do my time. I have a great set. I come off. He's backstage. He goes, great job. That was fantastic. And I go, do you want me to like bring you up? He's like, no, well, I'm just going to. I got it. I'm like, all right. He goes out, does an hour. And I sat backstage and like was getting like a lesson in comedy. That yeah. guy was fucking unbelievable. 
some of them were fat jokes, but they weren't fat jokes. The layers and the the depth to them was unbelievable. I was blown away, right? Mm-hmm. He walks off. The place is going nuts. I'm like, my jaw's on the floor. I go, dude. He just grabs like a bottle of water and chugs it. And I go, I go, do you want me to? I go, holy shit, man. I go, do you want me to go out and say goodnight to everybody? He goes, nah, give him a couple minutes. I'm going to do an encore. I go, what? I've never seen an encore. In comedy? In comedy, dude. Walked back out, and then he did the hits and gave him all the hits, dude, and did like 10 more minutes of exactly of what you're saying. Yep, like the the you go now, like the you know the buffet Chinese yeah. food, and just, just <laughs> stabbing people, just crushing, killing them, killing them dude. Is that, I, the, is, that the, is that the most you've ever seen anyone kill? Still that night? What's the best set you've ever seen? Not for you personally, what you thought. I mean, I couldn't believe that, especially in front of like an audience of 1,600 people, and it was consistent and like the joke writing. Yeah, I mean, it might be. You know what I mean? Like I've – oh, no, I saw Brian Regan. I opened for him, and he – He wrecks. <laughs> I would say for me the three best sets I've ever seen as far as people's reaction. And it doesn't even – for me, it doesn't matter the size of the place. Yeah. Just – the gut-wrenching reaction people have. The three biggest were Brian Regan at the Improv. Which with, Improv? With my uh, Hollywood Improv with my brothers years ago where people were literally, he was doing the, uh, what's the girth? I don't know, two? You know, he was doing that whole bit. And what whole, is that? Uh, and the whole thing about the calling the cable operator. Dude, so Brian Regan's. Okay, so... Uh, I used to do a room at at this old place called the Union on Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. and I saw Joe Rogan do twenty minutes there. Uh, that and I and it was a smaller place, and it was what I loved about it. It was small, it was hot, people were right on top of you, but the energy was when you got it because it was so hot and and tight. You know those places yeah, where the energy course. is good. It is electric. He people were coming in off the street because they could hear the people laughing because we had to have the windows open. Yeah. They were coming in and watching from outside because it was packed. It was, that was And amazing. that dude's a lightning rod anyway. Y- yes. You know what I mean? And the other time is, any honestly, any time you can catch Joey Diaz on a 15-minute set when he's on fire Yeah, is like 15 minutes of Joey at his best is he's spitting straight fucking fire. Yeah, he, he blows places up. I know he does. He does. He murders. He, he massacres. Fucking murders places. Yeah, I mean he can just murder. Talk like reading a food menu. I know you because know? his stories are crazy. Yeah, but once he gets you in his rhythm, it's over. It's fucking over. Yeah. But I'm with you, man. Like I love sitting back and watching. You know, I toured with Cable Guy and with Chelsea, and yeah. one of the reasons I did that for longer than I probably should have with both of them is not only was I having fun. And the money was decent, mm-hmm. but I was watching because I was like, okay, if I want to get there, excuse me, what do I what do I watch from them that I'm taking away that I want to do, and what do I watch from them that take away that I don't want to do? Did you take away anything from Panette that you still do, not just as a comedian, but maybe as like a person? <sighs> I mean, with his fans, I, like honestly, I I like to, th- I don't know, I I mean, I say that I'm like a super in the moment guy, yeah, like because my memory's so fucking bad. I like too. when I'm sitting there watching it, I'm absorbing like fucking crazy. But then I just I just hope that what I absorbed just stays. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. I can't remember, like like I couldn't remember any jokes. Like even the Brian Regan weekend, I sat there and like I didn't know who Brian Regan was when I got asked to open for him. You didn't? I was five years into comedy. Were you blown away? 
Five years in. Yeah. And I got it because I was clean, you know? Like, I was working clean back then for, like, 85% of my set. So I got asked to host, and they're like, you got to be clean. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, and I, my manager goes, all right, you're going to be open for Brian Regan. I go, all right, great, cool. And he goes, uh, yeah, it's his last weekend ever doing a club. He's never going to do a club again. And I go, okay. You had no idea. And he goes, do you know who Brian Regan is? And I go, no. He goes, dude, w- wait till you see this. And I, I watched his first set, and I just, I'd never seen anything like it. Like I, I was, and then I went up to him, and I said, hey, I go, why do you work clean? And he goes, because there's so many other words in the dictionary you could replace. And I was just like, oh. And then I went crystal clean. I'd say damn or hell. Like he doesn't even say damn or hell. Right. And I have a, I have touchier subject matter than mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I stopped going clean. And, and after like about two years ago, I was like, ah, I don't think this is really working for me. Like it's not like. With the clean clean? No one's like, oh, wow, he's clean. No one cared. The only no. people that care were like my mom and her friends. But like the industry. No one cared, and fans were like, yeah, you're really funny. But, like, I couldn't – I was so middle of the road because I wasn't squeaky clean, and I wasn't, like, But dirty. it's also not – look, I think it's – the. I don't think he's clean because he set out to be clean. I think that's his personality. I think so, too. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. at the end of the day, with comedy, honesty is the most – That's it. Right? So Totally. That goes back to, like, with Chelsea and with Cable Guy, the thing that I learned the most was, oh, these people – now, I know there are people out there that fucking hate both of them. But the amount of people that hate them, there are twice as many people that love them. And that's the thing. When they pick a, when you pick a side and you stick with that, mm-hmm. man, like your movie, dude, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing that I learned uh, from Cable Guy the most, they, they're both, Cable Guy and Chelsea are both super generous to a fault. But Cable Guy, man, never said there wasn't a picture or an autograph he said no to. And if they people rush the stage after the show for pictures and autographs, he would take a picture or or sign something with every single one of them. He needed people to come out and save him. There were times where like an hour after the show, I remember one time, I believe, I think I was, I forget how it went. Maybe I was talking to his manager or something, but we had completely forgotten that he was still on stage. <laughs> uh-huh. But he was out there signing. And somebody was like, you guys, somebody's got to go fucking save Dan. Because he was just out there waiting for someone to come get him. But he'd never, and I was like, and I asked him afterwards, I go, what's the deal, dude? And he was like, what do you mean? I go, you could have just said, guys, I've been here for an hour. I got to go. And he was like, no, I don't. I'm not going to say that to them. They, I, how, they're, he's there because of them. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know what else? You know who else was there for an extra hour? Them. Yeah. They were there too. It's not like it was just me. That's they cool. waited in line also. Yeah, that's tight. And so I was like, man, this guy gets it. I mean, I always go out after. I don't know where I picked that up, but like even just like that, I did a one night headline spot in Portland and, we yeah. got, and we're backstage and I'm there with the other comics. I'm like, hey, so where do people trickle out here? And they yeah. go like right out here. I'm like, all right. And I just stood there. I didn't have merch to sell anything. I'm just saying goodnight to people. And I'm not famous, no, but, but I just, smart. I always make sure I say goodnight. Thanks for coming, guys. Even people that didn't like me, I'm like, hey, thanks for coming. You know yeah. what I mean? Like letting them know, like, hey, you What's know. that like having people don't like you? What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you know, like maybe they did. You just see it on their face. Like, what's this guy's fucking deal? He didn't like me? Well, you know what's interesting is that when, you, when you're on stage and you see somebody the entire show just looking at you, yeah. not laughing, maybe smiling every now and then. And they come right up after the show and they thought you were really funny. Really? Your face didn't. Your think, face. Your face. Your brain. Me. Yeah. Your brain thought I was funny. But your face thought I had piss on my pants or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because your face was like this motherfucker. Nah. This guy needs to wrap it up. Yeah. That's what your face was saying. The funniest thing that's ever happened to me on stage. I think I was in Portland. 
I was. I was at that Harvey's and it was late. And it was my. I was doing it at a 420 show, and I was really high. <laughs> and at one point, I think the show was going really long, and I was rambling, and I don't know what I was talking about. I looked in the audience, and the guy did this to me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening, obviously all of you are listening, what, how would you describe this? Wrap it up. It's the wrapping up signal with your finger. Yeah, when where you, you just spin it, it and finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gave me from the st- – and he just gave me a slow nod while he was doing this, and I was like – Copy that. I will wrap this shit up. <laughs> it was fucking great, dude. He was just looking at me like, you're probably a little too high, so I'm going to tell you. Oh, it's dude, time. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I, I forgot. This is what I did want to ask you because you're a Massachusetts guy. How do you feel about Poppy retiring? We didn't, we didn't finish that up. You know, all my friends are like, oh, my God, how, how can you retire after having a year like that? And you know what I think? I think that he decided at the beginning of the year he wanted to retire. Yeah. He he wants to call quits, and he wants to go out on a high note. And he's not – I think all these other guys that don't, you know, it's just because you're desperate for that to, like, just hang on. And I think he's done everything he needed to do. Everything. Nothing more to prove. And um, – I think he just wants to, like, you know, he did it, man. He's 40. What's he, 40 or 41? You know? But, you know, I've gotten the, I've had the privilege of getting to know him a little bit over the last couple of years. I saw your picks on the green with him. Yeah. And, um, does he golf? He does not, but he has that golf tournament. Yeah. But he, I think his, you know, it's at 40, playing the game isn't the problem. It's everything that goes into playing the game. You know, it's, the f- it's the work. It's how much your body hurts every day. You know, once he gets on the field, I don't think that's the problem. But it's the commitment. You know, it's a fucking grind. Oh, it's yeah. 100, 162 games a year. With baseball. And spring months. training. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. Is he your, like, so I sat on the couch with Jacob, and, and we watched him. After the game, he went on the mound and tipped his hat to the Fenway crowd. And no one left, right? The no whole place did. He started to cry. And and Jacob started to cry. My son started to cry. What a it was, bitch! I know what a pussy, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but I it was interesting, you know. And we talked about because it was that's his sports idol. And for me, I'm happy that's his guy because you know he's a, such a good dude and he's so oh, good man. with fans and generous. And you know, Jacob got the bat boy for the Red Sox the entire that's time. Right? They were in L.A. And I was like, "What's going on?" He was like, "I got to tell you, he's." the nicest person he said you know he knows i don't know anybody in there so every time for dinner he he goes hey jacob come over here sit with me oh he wait he got to eat dinner with poppy because he doesn't want didn't want him sitting by himself it just he but goes no other guys on the team were like cool and being like they, hey, man. they were all cool you know and jacob was like they're all very cool but he went out of his way yeah. to make sure that i didn't feel alone and i was like man that is like dude that dude's dope is he where do you, two questions where do you put him in the do you put him on the Boston sports Mount Rushmore yes so out of the four do you put him in the well Larry Bird Bobby Orr I mean we take him one from I Tom think Brady he would have to Tom Brady yeah he's the greatest Patriot Bobby Orr is the greatest you put Bird over Russell I mean that's a tough call I mean because Russell was before me but he won 11 championships you kind of yeah. have to but it's fucking Larry Bird he created the NBA yeah, I mean, the you NBA I mean? started with Larry Bird. The NBA started with him and Magic. Yeah. Like, the NBA couldn't have had anything happen any better. You got a black kid from Michigan playing in the national title game against a white kid from Indiana. I know. And they in the national title game, Michigan State wins. They, get, they both go in the By first. By r- Michigan and Indiana already couldn't be any more different. Exactly. Right? Black and white. Yes. 
And then one dude goes over to L.A. for showtime with a bunch of other black dudes. And one dude rolls to Boston, the whitest town, with a bunch of white dudes. Blue collar versus the and glitz. Like, and the, the white black dude. Like Dennis Johnson, where you're like, is he black? Yeah, yeah he red hair and freckles. And Tough they had move. the chief. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was our guy. And then it was East, West, and they played each other in the finals. They like were six Biggie times. and Tupac before Biggie and Tupac. Dude. So Larry Bird, you know, and like he was the man. But it, I, it's a generational thing, too. Probably Bill Russell. I bet you, I would say Bird, too. But I bet you, if we asked my dad. Greatest Red Sox of all time, though. My dad would say Ted Williams. I mean, I might have to say Ted Williams, too. But I don't think you put him on the Mount Rushmore for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, no rings. No rings. Number two. You know what he does have? Uh. He's in two Hall of Fames. Yes. He's in the fly fishing, fly fishing Hall of Fame. Fly Fishing Hall of Fame? Yeah. And he took two years off and went and fought in the war and flew with John Glenn and like crash landed a plane because he got shut down. Yeah, that doesn't have a lot to do with baseball, though. It doesn't, but we're talking about Poppy and how nice he was to your son has nothing to do with baseball. Yes. And Poppy telling people, don't fuck with our city. That was it. That was what solidified this him. This is our fucking city to me. Is what puts him on Mount Rushmore over, over Ted Williams. Because Ted Williams, from what I understand, was a was bit a of a fucking douche. douche. But you know what? I have this saying that like, not a saying, but like all my idols growing up for men that who they were. Yeah. I never based them on who they were as people. I assimilated who they were as an actor or a, an athlete Um so that's the kind of person I would want to be is the level at which they hit like 400 or... Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. That's the longest saying I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> I told you it's not really <laughs> You might want to fucking get into... You, you get into saying again? <laughs> Good Lord. Can we go ahead and pitch on that? Because I oh, think we, I, could, I could find you some trims in that saying. Yeah, see if Josh will read that bio oh. to that movie real quick. <laughs> Time it takes I have it. this saying, which sit down, it's going to be... Uh, Son, get over here. <laughs> oh, God, my dad's going to sing again. Oh, my dad makes up these fucking worst sayings ever. How long is this saying? Remember that Relievio game? Yeah. It's just as long. <laughs> okay, but... I, I mean, trust me. Are you I affected guess, by his retirement at all? You know what? It's this, Put it this way. I'm, I don't know why, man. I wish I had more of a connection to things. I really don't. Like, Are you dead inside? A little bit. But I'm saying I'm not like connected to like... Like I'm not connected to like any like musicians or like I have like my 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 idols like Who? one just passed Arnold Palmer was one of my idols okay. you know yeah, it's like I read that post why Arnold Palmer it was I for especially for guys our age I'm like because that is such a weird it's a I didn't have anyone like the generation ahead of me because my mm -hmm. dad was gone so I had my grandfather's you know what I mean and my my mom's dad was a big golfer so I got like. I like loved what golf was, and, I, and like my mom always told me, "Oh, your grandfather used to play Sagamore." So I was thinking this yesterday. I'm like, "Oh man, I used to love, I love playing Sagamore because my grandfather played Sagamore." Right. So I can go to Sagamore and be on a tee box and be like, "Oh, my grandfather stood here and hit a golf ball." You know what I mean? I have his golf ball still. And like when I went to the Dominican with my wife, I went golfing and I brought one you of his to golf Punta balls. Gana? No, we went to like I don't know. And um, I hit one into the ocean. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to put one of my grandfather's golf balls out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like it's something for him. And so like when Arnold Palmer, he like carried that same class and elegance that I saw in my grandfather. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and he didn't have a great relationship with his dad. And that dude was as blue call as it gets, man. That guy, he, he was afraid of flying, so he learned how to fly. He would wrap his own fucking clubs. He pro, and he still only wrapped his clubs. No one else would wrap them. And you know how much money that give, guy gives to charity? The guy's dope. So you have like, so your your grandfather's idols were more in line with your, so you exactly. get like a That's Bing Crosby picture in your wallet? No. But, but, I do like old school jazz, though. <laughs> 
I thought you were going to give me a no, jazzy. Right now, we're listening to Hawaiian music at home. I just put on Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Like Don Ho? No, like, yeah, like, um, there's this one song, like, I was at a luau, uh, a mainland luau, and I heard somebody say, I don't want to go back to Hawaii. Who all right, that's that? all the time we have with Jay. <laughs> Who sings that? His name's Ernie Hananui. Oh, Ernie Hananui. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's... I just get him at record stores, and then like we play, like the other day, we're sitting there eating breakfast. Hawaiian music? Yeah. We're eating breakfast that I made. I made everyone breakfast. What'd you and make? I well this I so this week when Kay was gone, I put out a, a schedule for the week of what all the meals were gonna be. Oh shit. Because I'm trying to like keep myself on a, a healthy eating regimen. Yeah. You know, and then I wanna like I said to my wife, I'm like, he eats meat like three meals a day. Let's just like give him like I wanna switch it up. So like this morning I made pancakes and he yeah. had yogurt and raspberries. Yesterday Good. he had scrambled eggs, cheesy eggs with bacon and raspberries yeah tomorrow i'm gonna make them like a little breakfast quesadilla you know what i mean you're killing it because i want him to mix it up because yeah. enjoy his breakfast and eat like i don't know why his parents you just want your kids to eat not everyone well, can you, roll through whole foods and steal food you know what i mean josh we did it ralph they would never steal from whole foods they're, they're <laughs> they'll be uh, they'll be on you <laughs> they're on you they, the, the ralph's people are a little more yeah, understanding. let it slide yeah but i you're really we did way more like you plan it out well i just did that this week because like guess who's coming out right now Bethy you coming out I'm coming out to let the world in now are you moving <laughs> are you guys divorcing right now my my wife is coming out with a suitcase. She's going. She shot a movie in Atlanta. She's a director. Dope. Oh, that's right. So she shot a movie in Atlanta over the summer, and she's going to edit today. But instead of you know, just easier. Yeah. Atlanta's a spot, huh? It was such a good. There's some yams. There's some yams. You want, hey, nice to meet Beth, you too, Jay, Jay. Do you want to take those with you? All right. I have a friend shooting a movie in Atlanta right now, and supposedly I'm going to go out there just to do like the small role on a different movie in Atlanta. But this kid hit me up because his dad's a director, and he's like, hey, man, he asked me for like people that I thought were great. I sent him your stuff. He loves you. And I'm like, all right, so, so am I doing it? And he's like, well, yeah, he really likes you. And I'm like, going to need a yes yeah, or yeah. a no, Does man. that mean that the role is mine? Yeah. That's very Hollywood. So I got the role. They love you. They think you're great. No, no, no. But so I can put the money in the bank or... Yeah. yeah. Babe, so last night I made her, I grilled up some octopus. Nice. You know the key to octopus, right? No. Was it chewy? Yes. Well, it gets chewy when you cook it too long. I know, but the thing is you buy it already cooked. Oh, okay. See, I wouldn't even F with it at home because there's certain stuff I won't do at home because I just know I'm never going to do it the way they do it at the restaurant. See, here's the thing. So they they sell it to you cooked, so mm -hmm. they just flash pan fry which i did so last night it was not chewy but this morning she wanted to heat it up so she put it in the microwave and it came out like oh a, yeah. like an eraser on the top of a number <laughs> <Yeah>. two pencil <laughs> that's gonna be I tough like, this is not in dip i ate the shit out of it though because i love the way it tastes yeah i gotta tell you octopus are one of like i i'm scared of the ocean i'm not gonna lie uh -huh. Beth, how many times? How many times do I go into the ocean at the beach? How many times have we been to the beach? And how many times have I gone in the ocean since you've known me? Once, maybe. Once by force. In Hawaii. In Hawaii, and I think in the Dominican because there was a lot of famous. Dominican and the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. So I've only gone in when I've basically been once when I was with Chelsea in the Bahamas because 
I didn't want to be called a pussy. Mm-hmm. He fakes it really well, mm-hmm. though. Oh, yeah. Fake it till you make it. Woo, it's chilly. I think yeah, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out. People are like, it's 78 but degrees. Oct- <laughs> the octopus. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I'm not a great swimmer. I'm not a great swimmer, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know how to dive. Okay. Like, if I sit on the side of a pool and you, like, dive in, I'd be like, I don't know how to do that. Dude, you know what my go-to move is? This is how Cannonball? I, I impress the fuck out of people. No, I dive in in the shallow end. Oh, you skim it. I skim dive. I surface dive. Like, when it says no diving and there's all families around, I just run dive over people and then shoot and then cruise out to the the deep end You're i like look a badass dolphin are you a good Wee! swimmer i'm all right i want to be better that's why i got my son in swimming lessons now because i want him to like but you're legit. like you can do the skim dive yeah i can do the surface dive. i can't do any of that do you know one time um when the last time i jumped in the ocean actually is when i swam with sharks for for what okay so i was doing a show called shark after oh Dark, yeah that's right. right yeah and so they were like will you swim with sharks i'm like yeah Sure. And that, and like, you know, when you don't, when you got a gig, you don't want to lose. So when the network says, will you do it? You're like, I'm fucking psyched about that. Yeah. So the night before. And you knew like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to die? Yeah. I think it's worse to just lose an arm and be alive. I think it'd be good TV if Discovery filmed me dying. But. (laughs) You want an Emmy, but you're dead? Yeah, exactly. A post, a post, (laughs) what's it called? Post, post, what's, if I'm dead, it's a post. Post posthumous. She also is better with words. Mm-hmm. Um, so the night before, I get something called I, I get every three years something called cluster headaches. You know what those are? No. It's like a migraine times thirty. Damn. It, and you know, I, I used to get migraines too. The good thing about the migraines that I would get is that they they actually kind of affected your body so much after the pain it just puts you to sleep. Gotcha. You go, but nothing. There's no pain medication that helps with I so the, I get a cluster the night before, and this happens like what once every three years. Yeah, but Is stress if, bring it on. Nobody knows what it brings it on. Okay, it but it affects your entire face from like mid cheek up back. It hurts. How long does it last? The headache or the headaches, like the cluster of them. The cluster. How long did that last? Like three weeks. Oh my god! It was like so the night before I get one and I take. Three Vicodin and eat an entire Chibachu, which is an edible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just need to fucking fall asleep. Well, the next day on the boat, I'm still, I can still kind of feel it, right? I'm fucking hurting. So I take a couple more Vicodin and then I take some Dramamine, which mixed with Vicodin, not a great oh, idea. Fuck. And then a little bit more edible because I need to get through this. I'm already not a good swimmer. All right. So I get on the boat. Oh, and I also get seasickness. Where so I, is this? It, off of San Diego. Okay. You do know, though, by the way, in San in Santa Monica, if you've swum in, if you've gone into the water in Santa Monica, you've been within four feet of a shark. You know that, right? That can't be true. One hundred percent truth. You've at been, all times you think they're there. You've been within. If you've been in the water in Santa Monica, I'm not saying what type of shark, but you've been within. You're four just trying feet. to freak me out. Nope. There were people swimming there all the time. There's never been a shark attack in Santa there's Monica. There's never been a shark attack in Santa, in Santa Monica. In Huntington Beach, all the way up, dude. First of all, in Huntington Beach, there has. You know what? You know what really get freak you out? I used to night swim in the ocean in Santa Monica. Well, it doesn't freak me out. It might freak you out now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, th- listen, there's there's great whites all the way up the coast. I be- Okay, I believe it, but I'm not saying they're within four feet like of spaces where you can stand. Yes. It, thank you. I just don't want to... You don't have to, and it's not... The, here's the thing. On, the, on this coast, 
the reason you don't believe me is because you're thinking Jaws from your. No, like, it's not Josh. But but it's it's juveniles, right? And the reason there aren't fatalities that much on the West Coast is because juveniles, a lot of times when they bite you, they're learning how to hunt. They don't come up. They don't have the full open mouth. And so they take a bite, and that's why you you hear people losing part of a leg or part of an arm. When a full-grown great white bites somebody, that's it. Yeah. That's the fucking So you're get. saying I should just wear goggles, and every time I go out, like, duck down, look around, see if anything's around first? I'm going to tell you right now. And I, I don't, I've never seen you swim before. I'm just going to go ahead and guess. You're, even if you see it, probably not going to be able to outswim it. But you're saying at any time there's one within four feet. Four feet, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. You're on the boat. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the boat and they put me in a I've never been worn a wetsuit I've never snorkeled before I'm supposed to snorkel oh man snorkel's a bitch I've never done any of it so not only am I, I'm a bad swimmer not only do I have the cluster headaches not am I pretty fucking high now they tie a 10 pound weight around my waist because they say the wetsuit is too buoyant and I don't oh know how to snorkel. God. So the guy goes to me. He was like, listen, and we're filming. And he Is goes, anyone with, Yeah, you're going to have like people around you with so like a gun or something? The discovery guys are behind the camera. <clears throat> and the guy, the dive guy whose boat, they're going to send somebody in with me. And Kerry Keegan is out there with me. And so um, the guy on camera goes, so when we push you in, I go, when did the snorkeling lessons happen? And he goes, can we cut? And he turns to me. He goes, you don't know how to snorkel? I go, no. He goes, you've never snorkeled before. And we're throwing you off the boat in the ocean? I go, yeah. I go, you know, I'm not even a really good swimmer. He goes, what? And he turns to his friend. He goes, get that other um, uh, release form. I had to sign a second release form. Oh, my God. And he go, I go, what's this? He goes, I just want you to know, only three people. I've been doing this 20 years. Only three people have ever had to sign this release form. And that release form. He goes, and then if you could sign this too, this means yeah. <laughs> if you don't go in, you lose the show. So, I mean, whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, Discovery was like, yeah, but you can sign this. <laughs> so, the first time they, they threw me in, I literally sunk. I was wearing a 10-pound weight. Yeah. And I couldn't, you know, and so the guy pulls me up and he goes, he goes, here's the problems that I see. First of all, if we throw him in again with that weight, he's going to sink, he's going to drown, he's going to die. And I go, wait a second. He goes, I'm going to just tell you your options right now. He goes, let me tell you right now. He said, sharks aren't even your biggest worry. He said, because the second thing that's going to happen is we're in the ocean. I'm going to throw you in. If you somehow figure out how to swim, once you get a little water in your snorkel, which you will, 100%. you're going to panic. You're going to swallow it. You're going to drown. You're going to die. He goes, that's problem number two I see. Problem number three I see. Even if he jumps in and figures out how to swim, even if he jumps in and doesn't swallow water and doesn't panic with the snorkel, which I can't see happening, the current is pretty strong. You have to be able to know how to swim in the ocean in a wetsuit oh with flippers. God. Do you know how to do that? I go, no. And she, he goes, yeah, he's going to panic, he's going to sink, and he's going to die. And I was like, what else? He was like, well, the sh there's the sharks. Because I'm assuming that since you don't know how to swim, your arms and legs are going to be flailing all over the place. <laughs> he goes, that's not going to be great for when the sharks come up. He said, and if you stop flailing, what's going to happen? I go, I'm going to sink. He goes, yeah, you're going to drown and you're going to die. So what they did, Jay, is they tied a rope to me. So I was tied, and the rope was tied to the boat. And then they threw chum around me. And I go, wait they a second. They threw what around you? Chum, which is what is like raw Food? blood for the, the <clears throat> right? That's what attracts the sharks. And um, he goes, uh, so we're going to do that. I go, wait a second. So let's see, let me see if I got this right. But I'm, I'm tied to a boat, so I can't get away. And he's like, not really. I'm like, so I'm like also bait on the end of a fishing line. How long are you expect to stay underwater? Until we get some good shots. Yeah, I know. But you don't have like an oxygen tank or anything. I had to snorkel. 
Yeah, but how, 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 okay. You go and then you go underwater and then you blow it out and you come back up. Okay. So he, and then he goes, okay, so let's just say all this works and a shark comes up to you. He goes, it's going to, it's going to bump you probably. Oh my God. He said, and that's okay. He said, they'll bump you once. And I go, why? He goes, they're testing what you are. That's how they test. Like sharks very rarely attack right off the bat. They'll bump you once, especially now they'll attack if they look up and they see what they think is a shape of a seal. That's when they attack Yeah. because they know that shape, but they don't know what you are underwater. They've never seen you before. So they give you a little bump. He's like, don't let it bump you a second time. I'm like, why? He goes, well, if you bump a second time and you don't fight back, that means the next thing they're probably going to take just a exploratory bite. He said, so when it comes up, push it away on the nose. And I was like, but the nose is right near the mouth. And he was like, yeah, so you just got to be really careful with that. I'm like, hey, do I really? <laughs> I, I would tell you the truth. I was fucking. Did you go in? Yeah. Did it happen? Uh, thank God, no. No shark showed up? We, we had a, a shark, nurse shark show up, which is like a little gentle shark. There was a mako shark off in the distance. Kind of Mako is like a little meth shark. Uh-huh. They're really quick and shit. So we had a couple nurse sharks. Um, luckily for me, nothing big came up around my head because I would oh, have fucking man. died. Yeah, me too. I would have died. It, it used like what for me the ocean big fear. Well, yeah. Okay, do now you have I get one. A, do I have a big fear? Yeah. Do you have one of those things? I don't heights, think so. Heights? Anything? I mean, I'll go up like you know, I'll go up on a ski lift. I'll go up in a giant building so i go up in planes so but one of the things you liked about arnold palmer so much was the fact that he didn't he, know how to he was scared he taught himself to fly so do you is there anything that you're scared i think of? i probably have things yeah i think the one thing i'm scared of is stopping comedy <laughs> really yeah i bet that's probably the thing that i'm most afraid of would be my guess you mean of stop doing stand-up yeah like just stopping and being like you know what I, i'm not gonna i don't have the energy to wait for it or like to keep putting in the work to get to where I want to be because for me it's not like uh, I'm not it's not like I'm doing it because it's like the only thing I want to do yeah it's like I'm kind of doing it because I want to like make something special and like just know that I can do it and then maybe try other things in my life yeah. do you know what I mean yep, like yep. I know I want to try other things so I don't that's probably like the biggest I, I don't know any other where, where did you shoot your hour I'm shooting it where are you shooting November 29th where at the El Rey why LA? Huh? Thanks. Why LA? LA? Yeah. Because I got a budget, and if I was traveling, it's going to be more money, you know? Uh, um, I'm producing it. I'm oh, paying. you are? Yeah, I'm self-producing it. Are, are you? Now, I know the L Ray. Are you putting tables in there? Yeah. I want it to, I want it to be like uh, tables and chairs with candles, like, yeah. like almost like dinner theater. Like I want it to be a little elevated, I guess, yeah. And whose material are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, had to throw that one in there. No, how long? Like, have you done a special before? Done a half hour. And how long Never was done that an half hour? Five years ago. When you did that half hour, mm-hmm. you thought at the time, oh, yeah, this is fucking A. When you look back five years later, mm-hmm. where you are now as a comic, how, what do you think about that material? I haven't seen in a while, but I, I still kind of like it, to be honest with you. That's awesome. You know what I mean? I still, I mean, dude, I, I look back the first night I did comedy yeah. and there were jokes in there. I'm like, oh, that was a good joke. But do you ever go back and go, I couldn't do, I didn't do that joke well a long time ago, but I'm going to bring that joke back now that I'm a better comic oh, and dude. rework it. Yeah. There was one joke that I, I brought back out the other day 
And I was like, oh my God, people love that joke. And I'm different now, you know, it's such, and I can deliver it better and I like it and it fits kind of with my material, but I did it on my half hour. So I'm like, all right. You know, I have a joke that I used to do when absolutely nobody knew who I was. And so now that there's like eight people who know I am, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about bringing it back, but it was my maybe, and this is not my joke telling style. Maybe that's why I've never brought it back. But it's like, the joke is, um, you know, I've been married for a little while now. And when you when you're married, you know one of the things that I realize is you you forget how to talk to other women, yeah. like you lose that ability, right, you to do. talk to other women. So uh, and that happened to me the other night. A good-looking woman came up to me after a show and was like, "You were very funny." And I said, "Oh, um, thanks." And she goes, "And you looked really nice on stage too." And I go, "Oh, thanks. I guess thanks." And she goes, "What's wrong?" I said, "I just don't know how to talk to women, really." And she said, "You don't know how to talk to women." And I said, "No, I've been married for years. I mean, I'll argue with you." <laughs> I mean, shit, I could make you cry right now, but that's all I could, that's right. And so I used to tell that joke, which, which I used to close with because at the time that was my best joke, but I went back and listened to some of my old stuff and I was like, oh, I could use that joke again. Yeah. For sure. Well, I know some guys that tell me, they're like, dude, it's your joke. You wrote it. You own it. You can do whatever you want. If it works, it works. It's not like you have to like, you know, so many guys like Louie and Burr have like set this standard that like. You have to have a new hour every year or whatever you need to do. And then you can't do old jokes. And it's like, that's like impossible. And if you have a new audience that like has never seen you, like you should do whatever you want to do. You know, like I think it's really ambitious. That's the thing for me. That's pressure is like, that's why I say like, I would love to write TV or films and like do more, do more acting. Just stand up is just like constantly there and waiting for you to write it. You know what I mean? And do it. And, it's just like, you know, it's a lot. Do you do any jokes about single mom or not knowing your dad or any of that stuff? I used to, yeah. Like I had one of my favorite jokes. I like I did this joke about um I was at Home Depot one time, yeah. day before Father's Day. Like I used to every Father's Day I would do something by myself as like a way of like, oh, this is going to be my thing. Up until when? Up until now that I have kids. Really? Yeah. So like I would build something. Did or- you like because, and you had no relationship with your dad. So what was that like? Were you Was Father's Day a bitter day for you or just another day? It was like it didn't even... I was just like, oh, what does everyone else do? Like everyone else would be doing stuff with their dads. Yeah. And like, you know, it's funny because a lot of my friends, like my buddy Adrian, you remember Adrian Culp? Yeah. Yeah. Adrian one time, like I went to his... Like his folks were out for Father's Day. I love Adrian Day. Culp. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. Um, he... Uh, he invited me over for his like Father's Day one time mm-hmm. out here, and then like another time I was in, on the road with Swartzen on Father's Day, and we were at his family's house, and it was after his dad had passed. Off. Yeah, that's how we did. And um, so like friends like kind of included me because they knew it like it was something special to me. Like I just feel like that father son bond and like that is just like an, a really important thing. So like I it always meant something to me. But I was at the Home Depot buying wood, and this woman working there goes, "Have a happy Father's Day." And I go, oh, no. I go, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have any kids. This is a black woman, mm-hmm. and I, and she goes, yeah, but you and your dad. And I go, oh no, my my dad left when I was two. And she goes, and you'll be a better man for it. And I was like, how can you say that to someone? She was just trying to be positive. It was a dude. <laughs> I say how it was like the most amazing thing anyone said. I'm like 27 years of therapy wrapped up in one yeah. interaction. The home. I go, if that was a white woman, I'd been like, you fucking have no idea what I've been through. Yeah. But a black woman, you're like. All right, girl. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah. on board. You know what's funny, though? You kind of gave her something that I used to give my brother shit about. 
because we're Jewish. Mm-hmm. And if someone said Merry Christmas to him, he'd be like, I'm Jewish. I'm like, why are you going to fucking do that? Yeah, yeah. Just say Merry Christmas. He's like, yeah, but I'm not, I don't celebrate. I'm like, yeah, but they're not, they're not saying praise Jesus. <laughs> yeah, It's totally. just a holiday expression. Uh, and he's like, yeah, but I, you know, they got to be, I'm like, no, just say Merry Christmas. He's like, I won't say it. I'm like, well, you're a dick. Yeah. Well, I'm, I always have a little bit of a chip, especially when it comes to that. You know what I mean? It's Did like, you ever mentally bury the hatchet with your dad? Uh, I don't know if I kind of did. Well, he died, so I kind of did then. Right. You know what I mean? Because I knew I couldn't like we weren't ever going to be able to like bring up and I was never going to get answers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it just wasn't going to happen. And so then after my son was born, I was like, we hadn't talked. Like so then I saw him like six years ago. We like I spent like six hours with him one mm-hmm. day. And my wife met him, and he was like really, really defensive with my wife. And defensive about what? About being alive, about like seeing me. Like he would say stuff. He like he was rude to her, you yeah. know. And I just look at him like he's just trying to attack you because he's insecure right now. Like I would just say that like right in front of him. What kind of shit could he possibly say to your wife? He was just like being rude, you know, like and being like you could see the wall was up, not smiling, right. not like being warm, just like you know saying stuff, you know, just like. I don't know. I can't honestly. I only remember one thing him saying was like, he's like, J- Jason's still upset that I ever went to any of his soccer games. <laughs> and my wife was like, yeah, well, you know, that's what dads do. They go to their son's soccer games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know if she said it like that, but, uh-huh. you know, that's what she was thinking. Yes. So then, you know, when my dad died, my brother called me and I was in New York. We were doing the Today Show for Best Bars in America. Oh, yeah. So it was doing the next day. My brother called me. He's like, nobody wanted this is how my family is. Everybody knows tomorrow's a big day for you, so they everyone said we should wait to tell you, but I know you'd want to know because you're the only one who has a relationship with them and like told me. I'm like, no, I'm glad you told me. And I was like, so I called my wife and I talked to her and I'm like, going to fly home. I was all set to fly home the next day after the taping. I was mm-hmm. going home. And I was like, I think I'm just going to go to Boston and like go see his wife and like, you know, go to his house and all Fuck that yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Kind of like bury the hatchet on my own or write the last chapter or get try and look for answers, you know, anything like that. And she's like, yeah, you should. And Esquire Network, that's where I had the show. Yeah. I told them and they were like, oh, my God, they changed my flights. They just set everything up. So are you taking off? I love you. I love you. Yeah. Oh, nice. I see you. Good luck on the edit. Awesome. All right, babe. I'll make some dinner tonight. What kind of what kind of food you want tonight? Oh, now you're just showing off. No, I asked you earlier. You want you, you want him to microwave up some snapper? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Snapper. Just tell me what kind of meat you want. What kind of meat? Chicken, fish, pork. Yeah, uh, pork is people underrate pork. I, I don't. As a Jew, oh. I do not. I do not underrate it. Oh, at all. I love pork. Bye, you guys. See right, ya. All right, love your body, Larry. You. Do you have the keys to the car? All right. I don't need them. I just have the I have the house key. Um, okay, go ahead. Um, so yeah, basically I flew home, mm-hmm. uh, back to Boston, rented a car, drove up, saw my aunt who I hadn't seen in 25 years. I like that you say aunt as it should be. Yeah, it's it's, it's aunt till I it's always aunt. It's not a haunted house, it's a haunted house. <laughs> yeah. You don't taunt somebody, you taunt them. You know what else my wife she says um Oh, there's another word she says that like, um, oh, she says, she says experiment. I go, it's an experiment. And she goes, no, it's experiment. And my buddy Chris, who's from Boston goes, oh, really? Does she have experiences too? Come on. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, just tell it, like, basically, like, shut your wife down. I love he gave a come on, come on. Yeah. Uh, so, so you went back. So I went back and I like went and saw my aunt who I hadn't seen in like 25 years. 
and then uh, she like put me in touch with my dad's wife and she was like, yeah, totally cool with you coming by. You know, he had a workshop like because he would sculpt too. He, like he was a sculptor and like would like. So was he an artistic dude? Yeah, very artistic. My mom and him met in music school. They both were musicians, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he a frustrated artist? No, I think what he was is I think I think he just had different ideas. Well, first of all, they were just wrong people for each other and they were way too young. They got married at 19 and by 20 they had a kid and by 27 they had four kids and were divorced. You know what I mean? They had four kids by 27, which and means divorced. P- things were rocky by 25. Dude, right? Don't you think? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they were just like, you know, I think my sister said to me one time, she goes, you know, mom told me that I was the only one ever conceived out of love. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right. Thanks. Like, I don't, what do you want me to do? That is a great older sibling thing to say. Yeah. And like, you know, okay. How so, do you argue that? You're like, okay. All right. I'm, now that I see everything, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, so. She told me I was the only one dad didn't touch. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So, you know, good luck with that. Might have been the opposite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, what was, what was, what was his wife like as far as, because she, he must have told her stories about why he didn't see you guys. Do you know what I mean? Like, so she yeah, probably dude, got a different part you, of the story. You'd think she, when I was there in Asara, she didn't tell me anything. She like, I was like, she didn't give you anything. No, nope, nothing. Wouldn't give me any information. Like, just kind of was like, she's kind of like, she's kind of airy. You know what I mean? But they were like, their house looked like anthropology inside. It's like super well curated and all these sculptures my dad Did made. Did they have any new kids? Like, no, she had a son. You know, from her like before my dad. Yeah. Because we knew her when I was young. You know, like because he was with her. Oh, that's right. Um, but you ready for this curveball? I'm in there trying to get like info out of her, and I'm like realizing. So I find a bunch of sculptures out in this thing that are all in fours, four kids, four baby doll heads stacked on each other. Uh, it's you guys. I know. It was crazy, and it was everywhere, dude. Everything, and there was tons of like. Barbie dolls, like sculpting, all, all this stuff. So I come into the house out of his workshop and there's this woman there who's friends with my dad's wife and they're talking about my dad and they're like, I just, she's like, he, Normie was so talented. He was just, oh God, he was just so creative. And I was just like, I was getting so frustrated listening to this woman talk about my dad. And I go, he was fucking nuts. And they're like, they all look at me. I go, you don't think he was tormented? And they're like, what? I'm like, look at that sculpture on top of the fridge. It was a baseball. Mm-hmm. My dad didn't like baseball. He knew I was a baseball guy with four doll heads stacked on top of it. I go, what do you think that is? And they're like, I don't know. And I go, maybe his four kids that he has no relationship with. You don't think that has anything to do? He never had a relationship with his kids and you don't think that tormented him at all? And they were like, you know, this woman just met me. And she's just like, oh, I don't know. And Mary, like my dad's wife, yeah. she's kind of just like, ah, oh, you know. And I'm like... I was like just getting frustrated and like she'd give me these coins that mm-hmm. like she's like, Oh, these were your dad's favorite coins if you want any. I'm like, sure, he she took all the ones worth money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's worth a penny. This is an actual <laughs> This is a penny. This is a penny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like I walk into the other room and I'm like looking around and there's like dick sculptures everywhere. Like penises, dicks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like talking you, was it, wait, you went into my room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in your room. Oh, okay. Just for a brief moment. Uh and like it was crazy, and I was just talking to her. I'm like, you don't think he was like tormented? Like, how do you not see that? And she's like, well, I don't know. Maybe now that you say it, like, I don't. And I'm like, have you seen the dick room? I go, have you seen? I go, look at that sculpture right there. It's a penis with a fishing hook through it. I go, that's not anything to you. 
And she's like, I just, you know, it's just normie. And a I'm like, a dick with a fishing hook? Yeah, like a big dick with a giant, like, fishing hook through it. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Can so, we try to analyze that psychologically sure. for me, a second? Tell me what you think. Okay. So the dick, what does that represent? Masculinity? Sure. Or sexuality. Like, sexuality? Yeah. Was he, he was, an, was he an effeminate guy? Uh, I mean, he sculpted, but he sculpted with granite and like wrought iron. Okay. So. But that doesn't mean anything. No. So. I'm a super effeminate guy and I'm as pretty straight as it gets. You, uh, I mean, says you. <laughs> uh, uh, We're in the street. <laughs> so, Dick, where was the fishing hook? Through the tip? Yeah, it went through the tip and all the way down. It was like a giant fishing hook. So, oh, the penis so it was, was like, like a worm on a yeah, hook. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, he was out fishing for Dick. I go to my aunt's house afterwards, and I start telling about all the he Dick stuff. He baited a hook with a Dick. Yeah, and then when I go back to my aunt's after I left, so after I left my my His dad's wife saw a dick on a fishing hook and was like, "That's just normie." Well, she's not telling me anything, right? So then I leave. She gives me the key. So my dad has his own apartment because when they moved to, to New Hampshire, my dad's wife's son was going to move back in, and he was like late forties. And my mm-hmm. dad was like, "I'm not living with a grown man. He needs to move out on his own." Agreed. He's like, "I'm going to get my own apartment." And like he kept his sculptures there. He was there every day. You know what I mean? He had his workshop in the barn. Mm-hmm. And so I go to his apartment, went through his apartment, stood where he died. Like the EMT wrappings were still there. Went through his stuff. No. It was like, it was it was decrepit, this place. It was just like, wow, man, he's just like waiting to die. You know what I mean? And he fell and died. He like hit his head. Like they don't know if he had a heart attack and then fell and hit his head and died. Or yeah. there was no autopsy or whatever. So anyway, I go there. And I'm not going to give you the long version of that, but I go there and then I go to my aunt's. Did you get any clues there? No. You know, I did find um, in the printer, um, he printed out like uh, something off my website for like a show I had coming up like in Connecticut. So that was recent. Yeah. But he wasn't going to go. I think he just like, he knew about like when I did Conan and stuff, like the people at the antique store he worked with would like record it and then bring it in so he could watch it because he didn't have a TV, you know. His place had like books on silver coins and like he would study silver like metals was like a big thing for him Mm -hmm. like he did really well in antiques and metals and then like one room was like all his like packaging because he would sell stuff on ebay and then like his room was just gross there was a big dick hook market was it? no dick stuff (laughs) (laughs) so his apartment no dick stuff no dick stuff just at his house yeah well like at her house like there were sculptures of his that he made so i left there and then went to my aunt and and like to give her the key back to the apartment and then like had a drink with her and we're sitting there hanging out and I'm like, she goes, how was it? And I was telling her about like, I go, you know, I was different. I saw Mary and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, tons of like penises like on the wall and stuff. She's like, yeah, yeah. Your father was, you know, your dad was bisexual. And I go, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, you know, he's got this one friend. I think that I'm pretty sure it was his lover Mm -hmm. and, Mary knew it. She knew he was bisexual and she was pretty okay with it and was like, you know, still loved him for who he was. And I'm like, okay, which is why she's like, <clears throat> didn't bring anything. Up. It didn't like, it didn't mean anything. Right. I was like, all right, whatever. I know. For you, I'm assuming it just helps put pieces of the puzzle in. It didn't even really, because I'm like, you could still like be around. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't mean anything to me. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, like, I, don't, I could care less. Did it? He could have been having sex with animals, and I would have been like, you could still play catch, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come to a game, would you? Did it at all 
help you because you know when Beth said we have similar dad stories. Yeah. My takeaway and and you know my ex wasn't around that yeah. much for my kids. You know what I really have come to grips with and tell me if this is just fucking crazy and if this has ever dawned on you. All right. So as, you know, I helped my kids come to grips with my ex and then I had to come to grips. You know, people are like all the time, well, how could she fucking do that with her kids? I do believe that instead of labeling people as bad parents, I think some people just do as well as they can do. Well, that's the thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. And when I look back, this is what I think happened. I'm going to give you the skinny. I think my mom met my dad. My, da- my grandfather, mm-hmm. my dad's dad, owned two bakeries, and they had a house in Essex on the water. They were lived, grew up in Wakefield, yep. and then had a house in Essex, and then eventually they moved to Essex, and they had a bakery in both towns. They did well. My grandfather built himself up, and he when he died, I think he was worth like two and a half million bucks. So I think my mom thought, like my dad had a boat. Yeah. Okay? My mom thought, oh, my God. Rich. Like, rich. And my mom... Had had us had a thirst for elegance. She wanted to be a Kennedy. Not that my like she came from my my her grandparents. They weren't rich. They were just you know middle class people. I mean they weren't they weren't dick sculpture rich. Nah man, they didn't have dick sculptures. <laughs> Yo, let me get that ball sack on the. Uh, how many dick sculptures you got at your house? Well, we yeah, were we four fucking four dick sculpture <laughs> house. Wow, you guys are doing all right. So. I think she kind of like thought, you know, my mom wanted to like live an elegant life. My mom loves music. Like when we were raised, yeah, single mom, no cable. We would go to art museums. We would go to the symphony. We would go to the, my mother worked at the ballet. We'd go to the ballet. My brother took classes at the Museum of Fine Arts. We'd go to the public gardens and like watch people. Like we go on mystery rides. Really? It was like. Cr- mystery rides? Explain that. It, just my mom driving around. <laughs> I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those games that you play as a kid with your kids where when you're a kid you're like this is amazing yeah when you get old you're like remember the mystery rides yeah that was just me driving your i just need to get out of the goddamn yeah. house and you guys wouldn't shut up we just call it a mystery ride yeah i love you so you guys had getting the scooby-doo van and fucking yeah this old green chevy that blue purple smoke when you put the defrost on because like when my parents split then all of a sudden no one's got money you know what i mean like if they had stayed together, we probably would have been... We had this great house, like yeah. a four-bedroom house with an acre of land. But as soon as you split, now my mother's got to get a job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She worked before, but she got four kids. You know? Did you, you ever have one of those giant station wagons? We never had a station wagon. I know the ones you're talking about, but... Those fucking big motherfuckers. Yeah, those were big. Always wanted one. We just had this big, big green Chevy and then another big green Chevy. Can you imagine, like... Did you ever wear a seatbelt growing up? I don't fucking remember. No. I, st- I don't wear a seatbelt when I wear- drive my car. Yeah, because No, I don't. Why not? Because it's a 2000 and it doesn't ding. And I just love the freedom of sitting in there and be like, I don't need to put a seatbelt on. It doesn't ding. So when you get in an accident doing 15 and have some sort of catastrophic head injury, the thing you're going to tell your kids is that... I didn't put the seatbelt on. I didn't have to because it didn't ding. How many accidents happened catastrophically at 15 miles an hour? When you're not wearing a helmet. Oh, you drive with a helmet now? I mean, when you, you're not you wearing a helmet. <laughs> when you're not. He goes, Josh, move like that helmet. <laughs> and what if I you know what? For everybody in my car. Everybody's got to wear a helmet. <laughs> hey, helmet up. Helmet up, everybody. I'll be honest with you. I wear a helmet. I don't wear a seatbelt. Well, then I'm okay with that. <laughs> if you no, I mean, your car helmet and mouthpiece, <laughs> I would fucking. Shoulder pads and yeah, shit. Yeah, that's so funny. Um. Yeah, I don't know what I would explain. I, when I'm driving my wife's car, I always wear a seatbelt, and I usually just 
when I'm driving around the neighborhood, I just, it's, I don't know, there's a freedom in my car of not wearing a seatbelt. Yeah. But guess what? I know people that were in like major car wrecks, and the guy was like, well, if you had had your seatbelt on, you would have died. I get it. You should what? wear, wear a seatbelt. If you had it on, you would If died? he had had one, because he would have like been smushing the car, but otherwise he got thrown out of it because he didn't have a seatbelt on. I don't know. Listen, man, I can't do all the work here. You That's know true. I mean? You're doing most of the heavy lifting. I apologize. <sighs> Good Lord. Did, so, so. He with my with my wife when her dad died mm-hmm. and her dad died in a small plane crash. Oh man! And they were in on terrible terms at the time. So for her, there is that there was that feeling of, you know, whatever I was mad at him about, and he left too at an early age. Whatever I was mad at him about, I should have at least buried the hatchet when he was alive. But the, what really helped her when she went home, and this is what I, is that people at the wedding were like. You know, people that she didn't know and friends of his were like, oh, they talked about you guys all the time. He was really proud of you, Beth. He was really proud. He was he would say, you know, my daughter's. So when you saw that thing in the printer, when you saw the. Well, I know that I know I have a bunch of emails from him that I'll go back and read once in a while, you know, and he says to me, like, I think it's amazing what you're doing. You're doing what gets your rocks off. And he goes, not everyone does that. And I think what happened, I, I think what happened with my mom and dad is that neither of them got to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. I think my mom, honestly, I think if my mom had her way, she would have like moved to New York and tried to become like a a clothing designer or an interior designer and like would have liked to like go to, this is what my mother, you want to know what my mother does? Yeah. She goes to like talks. My mother will go to like, like speaking. talks? No, like speaking engagements where like, Isaac Stern, a famous violinist will come in and talk mm-hmm. and my mother will go to that. She just went to, uh, she has no money. She went to... Oh, really? You don't make a lot of money going to talks? <laughs> nah, I don't make much cash. <laughs> There's man. not a lot of money in the talk circuit? She like sits on artistic boards. She's on the Stoneham Arts Council. She's on the Cambridge Arts Council. She's um, in the Masterworks Chorale, and she's on the board of the Masterworks Chorale. This is what she does. Arts are his life. I think she wanted to be with someone that like wanted to be in the arts. and She like, thought that was your dad. I think she thought that was my dad. And I think my dad wanted to be like fucking Thoreau and live out selling antiques with his family, getting lobsters with his kids, cooking them and living a simple life. You know what I mean? And they, you know, whatever. I really don't know, you know, but either way, they fucked it up. You know what I mean? Like because they were too young and they should have waited or know what you want. Or When I hear about people having babies at 19, I I, am live your life something that's why it's like you know i'm not like a i have two kids that are amazing and i'm we're never gonna have another kid because it's just I, I, I say to my wife i'm like i don't even know where i can put the love you don't want i the, can barely love the second one and listen you don't want them to outnumber you trust me when i was running around and they outnumber you you're like well, well you were outnumbered from go from go yeah i was outnumbered from jump yeah but but you know i i told you like i had to you know when my youngest son was in the crib and I had to cook and I was in the kitchen and I, you know, I, when it's silent, that means something bad's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So after the first silent, when I kept running out in and out of the kitchen and I was burning shit, I was like, I got to figure something out. So while I cooked for 15 minutes, I was turning on the TV, but I would put two uh, leashes. I would tie them around their waist and I would tie them to the crib so they could only get three feet away from the crib. Amazing. <laughs> Because I needed 15 minutes where I knew nobody was going to die. Dude, I, Do you know what I mean? whatever you did, fucking who, kudos. Because I can't even imagine. Like, I do a bit right now about when my wife went through melanoma, mm-hmm. like on her foot. And like 99% was like, we'll get through it. 
one percent was like, what if we don't? Yeah. And then in the one percent, ninety nine percent of it was devastated, but the other one percent was like, dude, we're, we're we're fucking in the game we're again. Back in. We're back. <laughs> you didn't do it. But I could never like. Even, like I said to my buddy the other day, I'm like, when you're 100% committed to marriage, like my wife and I are just commit. We're like, even like when we get in fights, we're like, we're, divorce isn't an option because for us, you sign up for marriage because you want to be with someone mm-hmm. and you want to have these kids and you want to do this. Now, there are circumstances that are beyond some people's mental capacity or physical capacity. But for us, it's like, I have friends that are just getting divorced now and I'm like, yeah, okay. And they're like, it's the best. And I'm like, well, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up to like do this with them. How could that be the best? Exactly. I say, I go, and we're in a meeting and my buddy is like uh, in the meeting with us and he's telling the guy, he's like, oh yeah, man, it's the best. Dude. You should try it, man. And uh, I go, I go, sounds terrible. I go, you know what's the best? Putting my kids to sleep every night, you <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. It's you know just, what's the best? Is that when I'm 60, I'm not going to be alone. Yeah. You motherfucker. Well, I mean, either way, like you could lose... I'm just saying, like, what you did taking, you know, taking care of your kids and raising them is amazing, man. I always think that's like one of the greatest things about you. Your comedy is, eh. but so this, so yeah, so I mean, at best, let's be honest. But I mean, it's okay. Um, a lot of people aren't fans, but like knowing that about you <laughs> is seven just, people who listen to this podcast <laughs> fucking love my stand-up. Well, or they're forced into it by another friend. Um, <laughs> what time is it? It's twelve ten. Oh, you gotta go. I gotta pick up the kid at twelve thirty. So um, yeah, I gotta bounce. Buddy, what do you want to plug? Um, if people are still listening, uh, my I have a new album comes out or came out October 14th, so that's out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll be on the road doing a Crab Feast tour with Ryan Sickler. We're going to San Francisco, Sacramento. By the way, tell everybody about your about your podcast. I do a great podcast with Ryan Sickler. It's conversational storytelling. Um, it's really fun. Rise a funny guy, and we have a great rapport with our guests. You should check it out. It comes out every Tuesday. Guys, I've done it a couple times, and let me tell you what the best thing about them is. Okay. So they let the guests basically pick their best stories. Yeah. So you set us up to win. Always. And guys, And then we shred you. Yes. They sit on either side of you like the old guys at the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. And are they are so masterful with one-liners. I mean, the two of you together are so masterful at throwing in jazz. Thanks, man. We, I mean, we're at the point where like... We try our best. We, you got to get it in because if you don't, the other one's going to get like we're on in the same page. You guys fucking. So I love I've done it a couple times and I love it because I know my stories and I love telling them. But what I like more is listening to you guys. Bing, boom, bing, yeah, yeah. bing. You're fucking great. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, so we're going on tour. We're going to Boston, go New York, Philly, D.C. That's all going on in November. And then November Who's closing. It'll. I think we'll flip flop depending but on where we are. We should be closing. Just I mean okay. me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, if you are in LA, yeah. November 29th, I'm filming my hour special at the L Ray Theater. I'm coming. Come to my website, Jay Larson Comedy, or Twitter, Facebook. Uh, please come to that taping because uh, the more the merrier. Uh, for that, it's going to be 7:30 and 9:30 tapings. What day of the week is it? It's a Tuesday. I'm coming. Done. I'm coming, and I'm I'm coming. Uh, and I'm gonna bring my family. I love it, man. Awesome. That's bring great. Bring the entire group of assholes. I love it. That's what we need. More assholes. Couple. There's a bunch of us out here. Um, I know. All right. So, and then what's the website? JLarsonComedy.com. And guys, for sure, check out their podcast. Like it, it, it's like, and I'm assuming mine are the best, but I'm assuming other people are probably also good on there. Oh yeah, there's a lot of great ones. A lot of people. How was Joey Diaz on there? I mean. 
just unbelievable. That guy's unbelievable. They, I probably didn't even need to be there. You know, best what I mean? storyteller ever of all time. He's pretty fucking good. He's great, man. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was fantastic. Who's somebody like if you're gonna send somebody and go, hey, this is an episode. You want a taste of what it really is. What do you know the episode that they should listen to? Well, people have jacked up Kelsey Cook, who's a comedian. Yes. Her mom is in the uh, foosball hall of fame, and her whole family's foosball players. And the story that she told us, yeah. we just annihilated that because it was just rich with material. Do you know what numbers? Joey comes on, and Joey crushes because Joey can just do Joey. Yes, yeah. But when we have people come on, tell us like unique, interesting stories where we can like question and answer, and like that's the best. Oh, you guys roasted me on that PB and J story. Oh great. my god, dude! And look at blew up. Off our fans are hitting up, and I like know. people. <laughs> then other things are coming up, and fans hit you up because they see someone selling PB and Js. When they did the PB and Js on the fucking Oscars, yeah, they were tagging me. They were like, "Hey, they heard your PB and J story on the fucking crap." Yeah, and they crazy. fucking stealing your shit. It's crazy, dude. Um, all right, man. Um, thanks for having me on, man. This is fun. Sorry, I have to cut it short. All good, and and uh, we'll make sure we come out to the special. And guys, comedianjoshwolf.com, you know where to go to find me. Love you. Later.